0: Personal power, people positive, the community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald show. Here we are with Doctor Hunter Champion, PhD, MD, PhD, part of uh, Southeastern Cardiology. He works by day, sees new patients all the time, as he did today in clinic. Also affiliated with Emory Health, mm-hmm. and um, and certainly here to take your calls. This is our 100th episode, Hunter. Oh my! I'm honored. This is, I'm honored.
1: I was in the fir- I was in one of the first five. I wasn't in the first one, so you, you've redeemed yourself by letting me at least be on the hundred. <laughs>
0: do you remember that? I do. It <clears throat> just seemed like yesterday, doesn't a- absolutely. it? Absolutely. It seems like a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> I-, I had a much tighter hey, hairline. Yeah, is that what it was? <laughs> That's great. So we uh, we bring uh, you folks in. Some of them want to be brought in on video, but let's start with some questions first, if you guys don't mind. Um, so uh, Joey Moore is in here as well. So you guys can actually ask questions. i got to make sure I get this so I can see where the questions are. So i got to make sure... Um, I can't turn this. You know what? I'll just do it. You vertically. can still do it. Okay, vertically. You can You can still do it like that, yeah. that way? Okay, so I think that's how they it's not going to, yeah. I. I th- oh, is that how they're going to see it? Because they said, okay, swipe this way. Okay, that's what it was. Okay, rotate. You can't turn your phone off. Okay, so let's just see if it goes back. Hang on one second, folks, and I apologize because I can read it back this way. Okay, so Thanks. if you have any questions, um, feel free to ask them right now. I'm going to start out with Hunter um, a cardiologist wrote the book on broken heart syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, papers, hundreds of papers, you know, 300 plus, I mean, so many papers too. So your research is extensive, everything that you right. do. Um, we asked the doc today for all you guys watching and you know what? I got to shut off my Bluetooth. That could be the problem. Somebody's not hearing that it could be what it is. So I apologize. I got to shut my Bluetooth off. That's part of the reason. Okay. So folks, if you hear us now, Hunter's on, go ahead and you can start uh, typing out your questions and I'll go ahead and ask them. So while you do that, I'll field some of them. And I apologize for the audio. That was. And I think. Yeah, one, and I think one thing that's important <clears throat> to remember:
1: this. Is yeah. not, this should not be taken as medical advice. Yes. Even though I'm specially trained in internal medicine from Johns Hopkins, as well as cardiology and heart failure and transplant cardiology, everyone should talk to their own doctor. Um, you know, before making any medical change and that kind of thing, I'm really here more from an educational standpoint.
0: Right. Good. And and just enlightening us too, mm-hmm. perhaps directing us to another health right. professional to tell us where we need to go. Absolutely. And and uh, I'm glad you said that. There was something I was gonna we were gonna talk about in just a minute. Okay. Yes. Cardi. In Columbus, he is. Yes, he is. Okay, so I'm going to start out with um, one of the questions that were asked even earlier too. Folks want to know. I mean, how old do you have to be? I mean, it sounds really common, but how old do you have to be to be go to a cardiologist? I mean, so you know, it's amazing. not a silly question.
1: No, it's not a silly question at all. In fact, you know, if you think about it. Uh, you know, when my pri- when I turned fifty, my primary care doctor did not let me be fifty for more than twelve hours before he's hounding me about getting a colonoscopy. <laughs> True, and, and you know we have these we have these stages in our life where you know you know you certain age you're going to go get a Pap smear, you know you're going to go get a mammogram, you know you're going to get colonoscopy, but we really don't have anything like from a car- from like that from a cardiology standpoint. So really, for the most part, in terms of insurance payers and that kind of thing, they really don't want us doing much of anything unless there are symptoms involved or if there's a good reason for it. So that's why we you know your primary care doctor will do a annual EKG. If anything's changed there, then they say, oh, I'd like you to see the cardiologist. But normally it just boils down to symptoms. I mean, I saw a, a 16-year-old not too long ago. I generally stop at about 15 and let pediatric cardiology handle anything less than that. But, um, but I, you know, I see people all the time that, you know, palpitations. You know, it's very common to have palpitations for some people in the younger ages. Um, and that goes all the way up through the nonagenarian age groups and things like that. But really, if you ever feel like there's a, a symptom that is concerning for you, talk with your primary care doctor. Okay. Oftentimes, it may, be, it may be something very simple or straightforward. It may be something uh, hormonal. It may be something like thyroid. Um, but then if that looks good and they say, well, I'd still like you to see a cardiologist, then I think it makes a lot of sense for you to see someone.
0: So, you know, I, the, one, the one thing I was always asking, you get the EKG, you go for an mm-hmm. annual physical. Is that good enough, or do we should still say, hey, we should go see a cardiologist?
1: Well, you kind of have to couch it a little bit with family history. So there are some things that have uh, familial predispositions. So if you have a lot of family members that have had a lot of heart problems in the past, whether it's heart failure, cardiomyopathy, those kind of things, uh, then it might make sense to say, hey, you know, your primary care doctor, should I see a cardiologist sooner and maybe get a screening echocardiogram or something like that? But really, like I said, mostly it boils down to symptoms.
0: Okay. Edith Coleman says age does play a role in, in getting finisher she didn't finish the thought, but I think Edith is talking about probably getting like uh EKG, is it? Sure. Yeah, or something.
1: Yeah, and, and and I think the key thing <clears throat> there is is really um, you know, the, more, the older we get, the more likely we are to have certain things. Yes, we have young people that have coronary disease. We put a stent in a 26-year-old not too long ago who was otherwise pretty healthy. Wow. Um, I saw someone, um, you know, who's who's actually in their in their mid-80s. We did a coronary angiogram, and, and actually they have totally clean coronaries. So, you know, it is a little bit hit or miss. Yes, generally, um, things do track with age. As we get older, we're more likely to have problems with fluid management, or heart, maybe atrial fibrillation, other arrhythmias. Some arrhythmias, as we were talking about before, may be benign. Some may be more worrisome and so i think at the end of the day it's always better to, to to err on the side of caution talk with your primary doctor if they if they, if they agree that a cardiologist makes the most sense um then, then by all means get an appointment um you know, certainly peace of mind is great. I tell some people, I said, yeah. listen, I said, you know, let's say we do the stress test and the echo and, and everything, and everything looks great. Well, great. We've got a new baseline on you and everything. Uh, had a guy yesterday that we actually did a heart catheterization on. Everyone in his family has coronary disease. Oh, my gosh. And he had a— he Stacked had a, up against it. Exactly. Against he had a them. mildly positive stress mm-hmm. test. We did his heart cath. His cath was totally clean. And I think at first he was a little bit upset. He was like, wait a second. How could that be? Um, I said, what are you talking about? This is the greatest news you could possibly have. Absolutely. Kind of like Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. He was upset that he didn't die in battle because all of his other relatives died
0: in battle. (laughs) That's right. Really? That's the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. It's supposed to follow that. No, but we want to change that. And that's by being preventative medicine, which is one of the ways we do it, which is great. So, which is really good, too. We're looking at this right now. We have... um, uh, Laura, go ahead. You can ask a question. Yes, you can. You can ask a question. Laura Cowart, we want to see if you have a question. Donna Cup is watching. Any kind of medical question, if it's anything that Doctor Champion feels, he'll he'll recommend what you need to do. He, uh, he is a trained. He is an MD. Um, he just happens to specialize in cardiology and has written many papers on on that subject and and much more. Uh, we we talked about um, colonoscopies too, mm-hmm. um, folks. I heard you say fifty was kind of the magic word, mm-hmm. but you're hearing now in certain kind of Dem- I want to say demographics. That wouldn't make sense. In certain kind of ethnic groups, yes. Um, we see that number lowering. What, what forty, is forty five? Forty five.
1: Uh, in, in in a lot of cases. So again, that's where your that's where your primary care team comes involved. And uh, you know, I'll oftentimes have people that say, "Hey, why can't you be my primary care doctor?" I say, "Because I do cardiology." I say, <laughs> you know, really that sure. prim- that primary care physician is so critical because they're the ringleader. They're the one that, that that really is kind of looking over everything, making sure that you're up to date on your screening and and all that kind of thing. So I really do think that. Uh, that you know, talking with them and and coming up with the right plan with them is, is
0: critical. Awesome, and that and that does make sense. Mm-hmm. I'm getting even a little closer, so some folks can hear a little bit I better. Fa- I have a face much better suited for distance. <laughs> for t- and hey, radio, we're, we're liking it. We're liking it right now, so we're going to move me a little bit. So I'm over here and out of the light just for a second. So as we as we shine a light on this 100th episode of the Bob Jeswald Show, and you've been here several times, mm-hmm. um, asking your questions is good. Let's see what she has. Um, I'm going to read this right. Okay, so. Edith says, "I'm in my 70s, and my PCP always has. This is her primary care physician. Mm -hmm. Questions, and let's see. She says, and he's on point with my physical. Insurance plays a big part too. Is that something that doctors have to consider, Doctor Champion? I mean, and you 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 hate to say you have to be dictated by insurance and how you treat a patient. That's right." there's truth to that, but you're still going to be, their best interest always comes first. Absolutely.
1: And I, and I think that's the key thing too. And so yes, you know, I can tell you that certain insurances are more likely to approve just a treadmill test as opposed to treadmill tests with imaging. Um, certainly your age plays a role in that, but really it also boils down to symptoms and, and, and that type of thing. And I've had patients who their insurance would only cover a, um, a treadmill test without the imaging, which does only have about 70% sensitivity and specificity for coronary disease. But, you know, I've had them when I've gone back and said hey listen we did a treadmill it was negative patient is having persistent symptoms um you know we need it we we, we really want to do a, a full tread a full treadmill test with the imaging and oftentimes they will listen to us in that regard same thing with heart catheterizations you know sometimes they may not approve it but then we turn around and they um they uh, you know it, persistent symptoms and that type of thing, but really that's more of our issue. I mean, that's, that's my billing offices issue and, <laughs> yeah. and that kind of thing. And, yes. and, and really, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to recommend what I recommend regardless of what your insurance is. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that play into that. Things like deductible plays a big role. Um, remember the deductible is something that you have to pay before your insurance will, will be willing to pay anything. Um, so if it happens earlier in the year, then that plays a role. Um, your, your, your deductible may be a lot higher. And then the copay is kind of what you have to pay, um, maybe after you've met the deductible as well. So, you know, just had a story where last year I had two people, uh, both very interesting. They, uh, they came in, they were having some chest discomfort. They, uh, they, we made some recommendations. It was a little early in the year. They did not want to, 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 to go through the testing. And, uh, you know, we said, well, that's up to you. We're, I'm here to recommend and suggest. Um, and then, sometime a month or two later, they end up going to the ER for a, a heart attack, for an MI rule out, where they go in with chest pain, and right. they weren't even admitted. But I think that their bill for that that less than 24 hour stay was eight, seven or $8,000.
0: So, so, I mean,
1: that's crazy. I said, well, you used up your deductible then. So now we can actually test and see if you've actually got coronary disease. And so, so, you know, there's a lot of things and life gets in the way and, and, and you you do with what you do what you can. And, you know, I oftentimes will try to work with patients. Most all offices will work with patients. So I can tell you that our business office will work with patients in terms of, in terms of deductible and copay. I certainly don't like taking big bites out of my bank account at
0: any one time. And so sometimes we'll work out a payment plan or things like that. I got you on that. That's for sure. Now, research has been limited. Folks Mm -hmm. asking about COVID. Mm -hmm. How much do we know has COVID just given us brain issues, heart issues, in, it sounds like very generic here, but is there any paper study since you said you are you do a lot of papers? So I wonder I, if you I, saw I, anything. I've, I've been anything. on a couple of subcommittees okay. and things yeah, like tell that. Tell us so about that.
1: So yes, so, yeah, so the, the research is coming out. Actually, what has happened is we're now seeing a lot of long COVID, and we've seen a lot of cases, particularly with the original Delta variant and the original variant. Those seem to be the one that were associated with my, by far the most long COVID, and really a lot of this ends up being more cardiovascular related. Certainly, you come in initially with the pneumonia and that type of thing, but things that seem to keep coming up, coming up time and time again, are things like arrhythmia, things like um, autonomic dysfunction, where your heart rate may be very wildly variable. Okay, this was going to um, ask you, you stand up and your blood pressure can drop and your heart rate shoots up. Um, we see a lot of shortness of breath as part of long COVID. And as a result of that, now we have some clinical trials that are going on. So some people are looking at coenzyme Q10, um, oh, wow. to, to treat, to treat, uh, long COVID. Uh, we have, um, there's, a. Uh, some other studies where they're just looking at other things like just long-term relief, long-term, you know, aspirin or NSAIDs. Um, some of them are looking at other. There's actually a study now going no, why, on.
0: Why the long-term NSAIDs? It, it's I, I,
1: I don't have a good reason for that. I okay. think, you know, they're just kind of looking at reducing long-term inflammation. Okay, because it would it, be more
0: inflammatory. Correct. Not so much thinning the blood or correct. anything
1: like that. Okay. Um, but then, uh, and then there's some also clinical trials. Now, we do have a couple of really good long COVID centers in Georgia.
0: Wow, P- I did not know that. Piedmont yeah, okay.
1: has one in Atlanta and Emory has another in Atlanta and they've amassed enough patients now that they're doing their own clinical trials. So if someone... You could be part of it. Raise your hand now. You could come in in and and really, you know, and that's something you don't need a full referral usually. Usually you can self-refer. Okay. Um, So you go in, you go up, they can evaluate you. And I've had a couple of patients who've been part of the clinical trials who've had very good success. And they say, hey, my shortness of breath is better than what it was. Um... You know, obviously, we have to kind of couch that because a lot of what I also see kind of in the post-COVID era has been people who did a great job in the gym before COVID and then everything suddenly shut down and then right. you know, maybe have not gotten back to the same level of conditioning that they were uh, prior to COVID.
0: I, and and that is something that has a lot of people concerned, mm-hmm. and that's why the I think the reassuring part what you're saying is that research is happening absolutely, and there's there are masses coming in now, mm-hmm. and, and that's happening in Atlanta and yeah. a few, few locations. And, and I
1: still hold out a lot of. I mean, yeah. I've always said that time is the great healer, and sure, so sure. so if you let, if you know if you wait something out long enough, it should start to should get better. Long. I can't guarantee how long that's going to yes. be, but but I can say though that, that a lot of the people who really had given up a lot of hope after a after a year and a half, two years, now come back and say, you know what, I'm starting to feel better. So so that is a good thing. The good news is we see a lot less of that with
0: the Omicron variant. All right. Kay Keller, Skronix is on here, from even from Buffalo, New York. A oh, fantastic. Of mine. Kay, if you have Sabres. any Sabres. Yes, there she goes. Go Sabres. There you go. That's right. That's right. I, those golden lights. I couldn't believe I lived in Vegas for so long, and I mm-hmm. couldn't even get an NHL team when I was there, for God's sake. I would have loved to, loved right. to have the NHL. If anyone has any more questions, please uh, come on and let me know. Uh, another question, it was earlier I saw it, and I think you sort of answered it for him, but just to reiterate again, mm-hmm. is that folks that – Have any kind of uh, any flutter, just any kind Mm -hmm. of condition you Mm -hmm. feel like something's not right, Mm -hmm. there's no shame in a game. Just hit up a cardiologist or any go to your PCP, they'll tell you where to go, recommend or whomever you should see, wherever you're listening from. And and that would be something smart to do. Arts, it looks like uh, Art Smith is watching too. I got the judges watching, and a lot of folks watching. So, what, what my thing to me. Is the when you said NSAIDs, you, you know how I am about that. It, sure. it seems like medication a lot of times has some side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, high high milligrams dosage mm-hmm. of over long term, I know can have some thinning lining of your stomach. I, in mm-hmm. fact, I'm taking um, uh, for some other issues, I have MOBIC. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I could say this, uh, I took it, and by golly, it was better than naproxen, Aleve, and I'm, I'm throwing out these name brands here, but I'm sorry about <coughs> that, but, but it is what it is. Right. Aspirin always bothered me. I mean, it would burn my stomach sure. after two days of doing it, so I always stopped. But, but it seems like it was doing well with food. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the danger of something like this? a more potent, mm-hmm. like a cataract, or, or those kind of NSAIDs right. that are very, very, are you right. worried about that?
1: Well, always remember and then we taught this in you know my, sure. my PhDs in cardiovascular pharmacology. So what we're always taught in pharmacology: the only difference between a medicine and a poison is the
0: dose. Okay. You, you can okay. Dr-
1: you can drink enough water fast enough that it will kill you, right? There was a, there was actually there been a couple of there uh, been a couple been a couple of you know a uh, 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 radio show kind of uh, a contest where people have actually died from from drinking too much water too fast. So it all boils down to the dose. Um, And really, I think the key thing here is no matter what it is, whether it's a nutraceutical, whether it's a pharmaceutical, whatever it is that you take, you have to remember that everything kind of comes with its own baggage. And there's no such thing as a perfect medicine. Every medication has some degree of side effects. It may affect a small amount of people. It may affect a lot of people. But when we think about things like the NSAIDs especially, we always worry about kidney function. Okay. Because long-term high-dose NSAID use can affect kidney function. Um, but again, at, at the same time, you also have to weigh things of, yeah. against the, the positive. So if you remember, there were some, there were some of the NSAIDs and there was some of the concern about risk of heart attack with Advil, with you know, right. ibuprofen. You always read that in and the back. scares
0: the day like Exactly.
1: And if you remember Viox was, was, was actually, right. and that was, that was taken off the market. So, but you also have to remember too, and I kind of, I have this conversation with people all the time. I said, listen, I said, if you have to take a medication like, Leave or ibuprofen, in order to be able to function. So if, it, if you need that so that your hips or your knees or your ankles don't hurt so that you can actually walk and do things, it's probably more stress on your body to not take it and not exercise than it is to actually have that relatively low risk of having a potential heart attack or, or something else from the inset. So, again, risk versus benefit. Certainly, stomach lining is something. There's a risk of ulcer with all the NSAIDs and things like that. How, that's
0: how, how long would you have to be on something like that before you run the risk of an ulcer? You hear that you're not going to get an <clears> ulcer <throat> taking it for a week? Yeah.
1: Every, everyone is everyone yeah. is different. Certainly, Um, I can say that that you know f- the kind of the usual dose of ibuprofen for like, so a lot of orthopedic issues is 800 milligrams three times a day. Yeah, it's crazy. To that's think a lot. That. I can't. Do that's a lot, that. especially for yeah. uh, but, but for a week. I think that's that's usually not un- unheard of. Okay, um, but you also have to think like the over the counter the over the counter dose of ibuprofen is a 200 milligram tablet. It's so Small. Exactly. So yeah. you think about, you know, you have to take four of those three times a day. So generally speaking, and, and, and I try to caution people and say, yeah, but also too, just remember you can take this every so often for a headache or take something for, for like some back pain or things yeah. like that. So so I don't want people to be so, be so paralyzed. Sure. You know, to be like, oh my gosh, I can't take that at all. Um, but again, it just, it boils down to risk. I've had people get an ulcer within a week. Um, oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Uh, ster- ster- steroids, steroids are bad about about you know ulcers as well. And it's especially where people really get the high sphincter tone, if you will, sure, yeah. is, is if they're on a blood thinner along with the inset okay. or along with the prednisone that's why if you actually look at the MoBit on, on the meloxicam bottle yeah. for a moment, if you look at the back, it says, you know, you shouldn't take this with blood thinners.
0: Makes sense. Cause and you're doubled, a, you're doubled down. Well, if, if, if you,
1: well, if you have, if you should get an ulcer that starts bleeding, you know, the, and, and you know, the blood thinners don't make you bleed, but if you have a reason to bleed, you'll bleed more freely. And that's so, and what so, that so comes from. Yeah. see,
0: I never knew that. And mm-hmm. I got some more questions pouring in here and I'm sorry guys. I know. Um, Hey, okay, I was diagnosed yesterday, this is Kay uh, Skronik, she says, I was diagnosed uh, yesterday, and I'm so sorry to hear this, Kay, uh, with uh, AV junctional, um, there it is, AV junctional rhythm, and they say it was probably brought on by, let me see more, it's coming in here, uh, by vera Pamel, v- vrap- rapamela, rapamela. Mm-hmm. And I look for number. I'm reading this at an angle, by the way, everybody, <laughs> number <laughs> of years, my eyes don't work that way. The number of years the doctor said my P waves were, are no longer before the heartbeat. So they changed her to, um, ammo, Amelotipine? Um, uh, um, uh, um, say it with me. male Amelotipine, Amal, uh, mm-hmm. which is, there's is an Elanir, uh, which is another blocker. Mm-hmm. And her doc said, I might be looking at a pacemaker. Now, mm-hmm. how serious is this? And this is in your area too. I know this. A- and I've been asymptomatic, she says mm-hmm. at this point. So what, what should
1: Kay do? So that's a great question. So Kay, Kay has something that is, that is actually, believe it or not, very common. And so I can't oh, remember wow. is I, it really I can't remember how can't remember how old K is K, K, I
0: know K you'll shoot me I think she's in her K I'm going to say case yep. 70s, 70s. So, so say so early 70s. So if you, go back to early Deuteronomy, 70s. if you go
1: back to Deuteronomy, the Lord said he gives us four score and 10, right? So okay. we, get, we get essentially uh, uh, 70 years plus or minus 10, if you're if you're lucky. At least that's what he said. in Sure, it. sure. But if you actually, if you look at it, when you get to about age 70 and you start looking at your peer group, every year that goes on, more and more people in your peer group start needing pacemakers.
0: 71, she's 71. There you go. Okay.
1: So so as you start looking around, so what happened, I think my personal opinion is, and this is just after 25 years of experience in this, what I observe is, is that you know, I think the heart muscle is made to last for a long, longer time, but the electrical system, the nervous system in the heart tends to wear out, start wearing out oftentimes in your 70s. Now, my grandfather didn't need a pacemaker until 93, but, um, God bless but, him, but, but some people need pacemakers in their 30s or 40s, sure. but, but in this case, this is very common. So verapamil is a specific type of blocker that blocks at that AV junction. So where the top chamber of the heart beats the lower chamber, it goes through, it's kind of like the nerves for the heart go into one little channel and it goes to one little node. That's the AV node. And then that node then sends the electrical signal to the bottom part of the heart. Well, when that, when that AV node is not working well from a, from a medicine standpoint, so beta blockers can block that, yeah. calcium channel blockers will block that. So when we see this AV junctional rhythm, we take you off the, the blocker, you know, like the beta blocker, the calcium channel blocker, sure. like she was like with verapamil, and they they change that to something called amlodipine, which is another medicine for blood pressure, but it doesn't have the same effect on the AV node and that type of thing.
0: Okay, so, so she's probably not going to, and if I'm hearing mm-hmm. you correctly, it almost sounds like we're not going in a, she probably wouldn't have to get a pacemaker right well, now.
1: Well, it's not in a panic situation okay. I think right now I think the key thing is is what I would do in, in, in my experience is I would have her wear a monitor for a few weeks, especially since she's asymptomatic. So that's a really good that's sign. Good
0: when she said asymptomatic, I'm like, yep. okay I'm there. Yeah. And
1: then and then when I talk to patients about who have this mm-hmm. and just remember too when the when the heart electrical system goes out, it's not like your remote control where suddenly you're changing channels and then all of a sudden it quits working on you altogether.
0: I so love it. so good when so
1: when so when the so when, alert, when the nervous system starts going out in the heart it more sputters. So it's kind of like you'll start going slow, then fast, then slow, then fast. And then if you go into kind of a complete AV block, which is, a, which is essentially an emergency that needs a pacemaker, usually people feel terrible with that. So they feel fatigue and, and feel like they can't do anything. Then they go to the hospital and they say, oh, my goodness, we've got to bring you in and we'll put in a pacemaker. Gotcha. More times than not, though, a pacemaker is put in more as an, as an outpatient where we, we're observing this, we're watching this, we've got signals that, that we get on the monitor, and we say, you know what, we're really close to having that. You know, you've got, you've got some long pauses or things like that. So
0: monitor, Tom. talking about mm-hmm. let's, she's going to have a monitor mm-hmm. issued on Friday. Okay. okay. Perfect. So, yeah. Perfect. So that's yeah.
1: exactly what I would do. Whoever sees her is doing a great job, and uh, and then we, then we monitor that and then see if there's any sign of any sputtering of the heart, see if we're getting any tacky Brady syndrome and that type of thing, right. and, and the good news is, like I said, people get so worried about a pacemaker. Of all the things we do in cardiology, a pacemaker is pretty easy. And it, so you, it
0: seems so common. I remember, it, remember hearing it, I remember it years ago. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. hearing in the 70s, it seems like it was a death sentence, but now it's very oh, common.
1: And, and it's the size of a half dollar. I mean, it's That's really right. amazing. And if you're right-handed, generally, they'll put it in on the left-hand side and they kind of closer in, in to the, the shoulder. Heart. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they put the leads down into the heart. Um, you know, it's something where now we're sending people home the day they get it. Oh, for crying so, out loud. So,
0: yeah, you come in, you get it, and you go home. Outpatient procedure. Yeah, exactly. is wonderful. It really is. Going back to the uh, some, and I didn't answer the rest of somebody else was uh, te- I'm getting texts, and, and I apologize, folks. I know we were telling them we're live streaming at WRBL and we're not, um, so we lost some folks. But I'm getting questions on another thread here. Um, they said, "Bob, you didn't finish answering, and I didn't. I apologize." It's the the um, natural medicines, such mm-hmm. as like omega threes, fish oils. Are saying are those considered something like meloxicam? You're saying mm-hmm. that um, something is an NSAID in that family. Does that could that exacerbate? Could that cause more bleeding if you already have a um, you already pre, you got a predisposition of already having something that could bleed and it just adds fuel to the fire or not? Yeah, I mean,
1: not so much. I mean, certainly there is a little bit of thinning of the blood with the insets themselves. Okay. There, there's a little bit, but it's, it's really not a huge, I mean, you know, we take a baby aspirin, you know, and, and that's what we recommend for, for, for many people, um, a daily baby aspirin or, or that kind of thing. So the, I would say the amount of blood thinning that you get with the aspirin or the inset itself is actually pretty negligible.
0: Okay, you may have okay.
1: a little bit of additional bruising, but
0: generally not, especially why if you're taking a stomach what is does mine go in a square knot? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. It yeah. goes in a square knot. Yeah. It's nuts. I mean, when I sit there, I, I, I've, I've had... I had to go into the ER one time, Mm -hmm. and I I remember I I was actually a broken foot. Mm -hmm. I pulled a 25-pound plate on my foot when I was at the gym. This is in Jackson, Mississippi, years ago. Trying to do the right thing. Well, I was trying to impress a lady in the gym, I think. Uh, And I was looking the wrong way. and My wife goes, what? I was dating Teresa then. And she said, what are you doing? She goes, God, you came back. I couldn't even. My foot look, it was uh, three times the size, like an Oompa Loompa. Your life is a Mark Twain novel. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Right on that boat. I was floating down the river at that point down in uh, the Mississippi. and. But when I when they did it, they gave me like a high dose of probably ibuprofen, mm-hmm. and my stomach went in a knot. Mm-hmm. Why did that happen?
1: Everyone is different, yeah. but, but but essentially, you you know, the, the, it'll it'll have, you can have issues with the stomach. And in some cases, you may have already had some baseline gastritis. Oh, That okay. it, that, 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 that that then further irritates, uh, and and that type of thing. So especially too, I mean, you know, gastritis is incredibly common. So okay. you can have po- problems with you know uh, nausea, uh, uh, that kind of thing, and uh, pain, pain. So, you know. Di- uh, subdiaphragmatic pain. Okay. Um, in those cases, then you know, generally we we generally let that rest. I think some people try to worry about getting into a into a GI doctor very quickly. Um, just for the record, I don't do guts and butts for a living. Okay. I, just yeah. know, <laughs> I just know a lot about it. You know, from you do know experience. a lot about it. Yeah.
0: You 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 touched a little bit on that. Right. Something. But uh,
1: but yeah. But but yeah. like I said, I mean, oftentimes we'll put people on a sure. proton pump inhibitor, some pepsid, some caraphate, things like that, to try to help soothe the stomach and give it time to heal.
0: And caraphate's like a probiotic. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So folks, know. Okay. So. Now that we're talking about that, um, somebody with, and you touched a little bit about gastritis, um, pancreatitis. Somebody has some kind of adrenal issues. Um, how does that get, get you, you guys, you're, you're getting into that business of cardiology. I mean, cardiologists need to know the gastral side because sometimes something in that area is sorely mistaken for something cardiac sure. related. Or or something mm-hmm. else. What, what? Tell me more about that.
1: Well, so referred pain is something that's very common. So you can have an appendicitis. Appendix is on the the appendix is on the right side of the body, but you feel it in your belly button. That's the classic feeling, referred pain. You always think think about you know feeling the pain down the arm. Yeah, it, from, that from doesn't the mean it,
0: if it's the arm doesn't always mean a heart attack.
1: Correct, correct. But you know you start putting things together and you say, hey, this kind of raises my suspicion. My sphincter tone is going up. Thinking about yeah. this, so <laughs> so we should probably move that move that direction. But really, because anything and remember. The heart, your heart is the size of your fist and it sits on top of the diaphragm, which is literally just inches away from the stomach. Makes sense. And then the esophagus comes up through the diaphragm and it actually touches the back of the heart. So you've got a lot of GI stuff right there around the heart. And I think probably three of the new patients that I saw today had been having some chest pains and things like that. And I just kind of reminded them, I said, listen, you know, you came to the right place first because no one's really going to want to touch until everybody knows this isn't your heart. right? So we're going to then do your stress test and and echo and things like that. And then if we come up with, with, if everything looks great, awesome, I'm happy, you're happy. We then just need to do what we call a non-cardiac workup along with your primary care team to look for GI. And I will tell you the two most common things that we see if you've got chest discomfort in general and it's not your heart, it is going to be either GI related. So hiatal hernia, reflux, esophageal spasm. So there's, there's a lot more going on. A here lot of than things. You can imagine. Gallbladder. Yeah. You know, I yes. can't tell you how many times people have had a good heart workup and then all of a sudden they need their gallbladder taken out. And then we say, hey, again, this is great. You're low risk for the surgery. You can have the surgery without any trouble because we already did your pre-op workup. Perfect. Um, other things that we see a lot of as well, musculoskeletal. You know, if you think mm-hmm. about the ribs, we kind of all think the ribs come and touch right into the uh, into the sternum itself. But if you ever eat ribs like at the at the barbecue place, sure. there's a pretty good bit of meat and gristle right there bef- after the, the rib bone. Just like uh, us. That's right here. And so, so that can become inflamed. The other thing, though, that we see, especially in our older patients or people who played football or other contact sports in the past, mm. neck arthritis. Oh, no. So hair, the, oh, that's
0: a good sub. We're going to go on that next. So, <laughs> so, 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 the, so neck arthritis,
1: sure. those nerves come down as well. So you can get numbness in the arm. You can get numbness and pain in the chest. That's actually a ner- ner- uh, nerve-mediated event. Uh,
0: and right now, a lot of folks sitting out here, a uh, couple other questions. Folks, you just... They, you just answered that about the, about the appendix and stuff mm-hmm. like this say that you would work with a PCP, you guys do a workup, that mm-hmm. was a good question, they said you actually, you went in and answered that one um, now I'm going back to Facebook uh, a lot of people watching, Facebook folks too feel free to ask questions if you have anybody on Facebook, anybody else on the outside of that, and I again apologize for the uh, WRBL.com stream. We're going to rebroadcast this. So There'll be something out of this that somebody's going to get anyway, even if it may be a question you were thinking about. Uh, you you touched on the arthritis from sports, some kind of injury, maybe beyond congenital, something that happened over time where mm-hmm. you're born with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a lot of uh, crushing of the neck. Uh, mm-hmm. I played ice hockey. We, we talked about ice hockey with the okay. Sabres not too long ago. <laughs> I played ice hockey for many years, uh, wrestled, uh, triathlons. I did I did a lot of sports, mm-hmm. extreme sports. Did a lot of skiing, regular snow skiing, Mm -hmm. snowboarding. Uh, Out on Lake Mead and Las Vegas did a lot of skiing too. So a lot of rolls and falls and everything else. Neck is pretty spent. Right. Bob Jezwell's neck is spent. Um, You wouldn't know it. But boy, when it acts that'd up, that'd be a great sitcom. Time. I know. How could it go? How would it go? <laughs> would it be one of the? What's the line you said? That would be a sphincter tightener. Exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. Right. So what would it, what would happen with that? The Bob Jeswald, what the neck? Bob Jeswald's <laughs> neck is spent. Neck is spent. I like. Does <laughs> sound like maybe maybe may CBS can do that? I don't yeah. know. Maybe so, more HBO. I think it'd be We could work a little it, more blue. Yes, so. exactly. Yes, so let's go with the max. That's right. right. <laughs> we can get away with a little bit more uh, more more talk and more openness. I would mm-hmm. think FCC won't 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 jam us for that. There exactly. you go. So. I like the fact that with that whole uh, neck thing Mm -hmm. and understanding a little Mm -hmm. bit better and MRIs and we get all these great things, Mm -hmm. recently and over time, and I had actually had seen a carriage. in fact, saw you you guys in your group and I talked to you about it. I think it was Dr. Deer I saw you Mm -hmm. several years ago. Uh, That I thought before I did a triathlon and I was doing a a run, it was actually, this one was particularly a marathon, but I did the half and I was concerned because I kept getting this tingling and everything else. I knew I had some kind of neck stuff going on possibly. Mm -hmm. I had shoulder surgery, whatnot, but now it's to the point, it seems like it's spinning out of control. So Mm -hmm. I get an MRI and stenosis. Yes. arthritic conditions in there, um, myelopathy, and, and uh, starts with the R, radiopathy. Ridiculopathy. Ra- ridiculopathy. Right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <clears throat> I can't mm-hmm. say that. Uh, and that continues to go on those nerve roots that are being mm-hmm. pinched that go right down through the neck, shoulder, right. and side of the arms, as you described. And you would think sometimes you're having a heart attack. I said this to you jokingly. I would say, geez, uh, you know, Dr. Champion, I would just run in here. I go, God, my front chest is tightening. And go, well, Bobby J., that could be from your neck. You know right. and, they, and And finding out that now that seems to be the case. So folks that are experiencing this... You know, maybe orthopedic wise, or neurosurgeon, or something yeah. like that. They should check, maybe check into that as well. And
1: we're very fortunate in this community. We've got some outstanding neurosurgeons and outstanding yeah. ortho Obviously, with Houston Clinic yeah, and the right. Saint Francis Orthopedic Groups. I mean, we've got great orthopedics mm-hmm. and great uh, neurosurgeons. Um, if you ever saw, like, if you ever did, like, a, if you ever did an autopsy, or, or, if you ever did, like, a cadaver work, like, yes. like we did in an anatomy class, right? You would be amazed. With the holes that these, that these spinal nerves come out of in your vertebrae are tiny. And what comes out is almost like spaghetti, like limp spaghetti. I don't see how in the world we don't rip nerves apart just turning our head quickly yeah, well, and it, things it like that. Isn't that crazy, yeah.
0: And that's why you get in, what, in, in chiropractic. Mm-hmm. Somebody says, are chiropractors okay in this? It just popped up and it disappeared. Mm-hmm. It was on another thing. So mm-hmm. I, I know what they were saying because mm-hmm. they're listening to us live. Mm-hmm. So chiropractic. I know there's neck ma- manipulation, there's mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. I've gone to a chiropractor, it sure. works great. You know, there's right. different things. Sometimes they want to extend or hyperextend the neck a little bit mm-hmm. in a way where you, uh, it's kind of like uh, some type of neck therapy where you right. extend that vertebrae. Mm-hmm. You go to physical therapist. Mm-hmm. I go to physical therapist too. What, what's the deal with that?
1: So, so certainly chiropractic has a role. I think a lot of people do get relief from chiropractic. One of the things I think that's key is, you know, I think I mentioned this before, You know, we're all a quarter inch shorter at the end of the day than we were at the beginning of the day. Because gotcha. when we lay in bed, the the water that is in the discs of our vertebrae, in between our vertebrae, it actually they expand. So, but as you're standing up and you get that pressure coming down on each disc, you lose that water, so they become smaller. So, what I do is I actually have a teeter, you know, one of these inversion mm-hmm. uh,
0: tables. Oh, I got to get. I and saw one uh, of those at one of the sports places. In I got in town. I got to
1: say for the honest, for me it was an impulse buy. It kind of showed up on Amazon. It was like thirty. It was like seventy percent off, and I said, how I'm can there. I how can I resist this? Because yeah, they're kind of expensive. I mean, it yeah. could be four five hundred bucks. Exactly. It. Yeah. But this thing, you lock your feet in, and you can control it. So, you yeah. know, my wife is always worried that I'm going to get up and, you know, I See can't do anything. Exactly. But, um, but no, I, but what that does is that actually helps, helps open up your vertebrae and helps open up your, up, up your, your, your discs themselves. And so I find a lot of help from that. What my father does, though, he actually has a, a traction device. So he got this thing off of, off of the Internet, and essentially it attaches to the door. He lays down, and it just puts gentle pressure on his neck fabulous and so and there's some that you can so actually hydraulic you can it's kind of down. like oh, I've that I've seen that exactly some, that too, some, yeah. some of them are also a little bit easier there um, you just put it around the neck and it's inflatable and okay. so it can slowly you know kind of give you that little bit of traction and sometimes that's all it takes so that can add inches to your height uh, maybe yeah. I don't know I don't know if I'd use that as a height, okay. height, height, height we're we're enhancer just, okay probably a better a off with lifts in your shoes better off <laughs> yes and you can buy those <laughs> they're right? cheap I actually had a pair
0: one time so what so if we're talking about that are there naturopathic ways, in your opinion, as a medical doctor, mm-hmm. to do something where maybe surgery could be an alternative? And, and I'm in my case, and I'll share this with mm-hmm. the, the audience openly. Um, I, you know, I have a classic case, and through other opinions, some think I don't. I can hold off, but it's a matter of Bob. It's not if; it's mm-hmm. when it's going to happen. I have C three to seven mm-hmm. in my cervical spine. Mm-hmm. That's Looks like an hourglass shape. And right. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to come right to you. I'm going to go ask somebody, they got a question here. And so it's so bad mm-hmm. that, it, you know, the nerve roots are getting crushed. Am I going to get pinched? Is it going to hit the spinal uh-huh. cord? Is there anything you can do naturally through these things you said, contraptions or devices mm-hmm. that I can extend? Or maybe uh, widen the gap between the vertebrae.
1: So I think the key is to have a conversation with neurosurgery or orthopedic. Get those images, yeah. get those images like you did. Yeah. And see how much time you have. See, you know, see, see, you know, because there are some things we say. Look, this is not at a level where we need to do anything right. about this yet. I'm a firm believer in trying to avoid surgery as long as you possibly can. But at the same time, it's kind of like throwing a football pass. Right. You want to hit it at the right time, not too soon, not right. too yes. late. And so, so that I think that's the key thing working with your, with, and, and actually I think probably, you know, the neurosurgeons and the orthopedics will probably have a lot better ideas than I do. I can just tell you that I do the teeter and my dad does the, the, the traction on the, uh, on his neck, but, uh, but they may have some better
0: options for you in that regard. I appreciate that. And that's what I'm in the process. Of, and I, and if anyone else watching do that too. Okay. So we have somebody here. <laughs> okay. Um, th- this is, this is, this is, this is one of your buddies here. Uh, any, uh, Recommendations Treatment for fecal incontinence.
1: So that's a great question. great question. So fecal incontinence is something that happens more often than you would think. Um, certainly, um, you know, we, we think about that, that that pelvic floor is something that has really gotten a lot more press. You know, we think about people mm-hmm. doing their Kegel exercises. Sure. Both men and women should be doing their Kegel exercises. And, and,
0: uh, would, and so people know that, it, that they may not be savvy of that during pregnancy with your wife's too. You, correct. You're tightening up your, your rectal. Here, correct. Right?
1: Yeah. But I will tell you, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the rectal surgery group and, and, and things like that, have got a lot of good, um, got a lot of new things they are doing with regard to to, uh, to rectal incontinence, whether it's injections at that in that area, uh, and that type of thing to try to help with fecal incontinence.
0: Great, wonderful. Folks are saying thank you very much. Uh, th- that was Jed, by the way. Just yes, I want to let you know. <laughs> so, um, you, you've been a real big help, and uh, this is going to help uh, answer help me with questions for my primary care physician on my next visit. So, thank you. You're getting thanks for that. Um, and folks too on Facebook, feel free to Facebook folks, if you'd like to add more comments and and whatnot, feel free, uh, bring them in here and I'm, I'm zipping through these a little bit fast. looks like, I mean, it's funny how you're answering questions as we got in and it looks like they got that question to see. Um, good. So my, my question is, we're talking about going back to that, to the neck. What Mm -hmm. is a good workup that everybody should have every year? You know, the way. Our society is you think we should be able to cure cancer. Mm-hmm. It, to me, that is is—it's so ridiculous considering the things we can do. If we could come up with a fast path to find, you know, a treatment or mRNA mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. COVID happened, even if, I don't even want to debate if it worked, if it didn't, sure. if it was BS or whatever. Sure. The point is mm-hmm. the government was able to work it through. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny how fast mm-hmm. we can get through the red tape? And rightfully so. I mean, this is a pandemic. Sure. But so is cancer as a pandemic, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. I always think about this. I mean, gosh almighty. Cancer comes in so many shapes and sizes. So many people die every year. It feels like it's unnecessary. Could that be, is it in your, your, just your, every ounce ounce of your your soul, could you say, couldn't there be a cure for cancer? How can there not be? Well, you know, why not?
1: Recognized in the last decade, we've actually had a couple of therapies that have actually, for all intents and purposes, have become a cure. So, okay. so, there, so there are a couple things there. I think one of the problems that we have with cancer in general is it's like pl- trying to play 5D, te- 5D chess, mm-hmm. right? Because you have not only when you catch it, you have what the genotype is, what are the genetics behind it uh, is, you know, where is the, ti- what is the tissue involved? And so, so we've really gotten a lot better though with a lot of the genotyping, you know, there's a lot of like for, for lung cancers, you know, if you've got this genetic marker, breast cancers, if you've got this genetic marker, then we know this therapy would be better, better for you than another therapy. There's more to it. So my Correct. question, mm-hmm.
0: and, 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 I'm, I'm being, you know, uh, kind of, you know, anecdotal, but it, looking at that mm-hmm. is, because people are thinking this, but mm-hmm. there's more to it. I mean oh, there's very specifics mm-hmm. that go into that. There's certain mm-hmm. cancers that have to be treated a particular way. Sure. When you call someone like um my 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 father-in-law mm-hmm. died of stage, you know, stage three mm-hmm. and a stage four colon cancer. It it was in his liver, mm-hmm. but he died of colon cancer, even right. though you'd say, well, your liver had the cancer the right. So that's how you deter I mean, there's different ways of treating that. Sure. You can't treat it like somebody down here treats it. So it's it's, so it's it's more complicated than what it is so right. what you're saying. But, but early then, detection,
1: early detection. I mean, we were just talking about people. You know, in some cases, moving your your initial screening colonoscopy to 45 as opposed to 50. Yeah, and so and so, I think that's the key thing is is one trying to catch it earlier, and then knowing where what you're going to do once once you catch it, and okay. and and how much is involved.
0: Okay, that's good. So, um, I never heard of a push pop sizer. Have you <laughs> inside joke? Right. Yes. Just, uh, but anyway, so we, we just we wanted to say that to some. We can we can get a little loose here. This is it, the folks that are just want to kind right. of come in here. So <laughs> it made you blush. I, I did. I made Hunter Barras blush. <laughs> that's great. I've never seen. Have you ever seen a Maxwell? It's the first time I ever made you watch. I'm, I'm actually sweating. I cannot believe. I'm actually, I'm greasy <laughs> you're the and I'm same, sweating. You're the same color as your suit jacket. That's exactly right. And you even you had a sip of your Starbucks coffee. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had to play with you. Folks understand. We're just having some fun here. But I, I believe that. When we you you go out and do early detection, mm-hmm. there, there's so many people that are stubborn. There's mm-hmm. so many guys that don't even get their prostate check yeah. because they're either a ashamed or finger. I, I keep people kind of funny. I don't want the finger wave. Right? What's wrong with that? I mean, really? There and you know, I know that doesn't necessarily. That's not everything though. People got mm-hmm. to understand. There's just like we said about cancers. Mm-hmm. There's there's many different things you have to do to get to that point. Right. Is this truly cancer? Or is it not?
1: Well, I will tell you one of our big biggest advocates locally for. Early cancer screening was a was a patient of mine who had metastatic colon cancer, and yeah. and and whenever anybody would ask him about it, he said, "Yeah," and he had carried around a pump with his with his mm-hmm. uh, with his chemotherapy. He said, "Yeah, I've got metastatic colon cancer, but it was my fault." He said, "I he he." he and, and he yeah. he said, it was "My fault." He said, "He said they kept bothering me about doing a colonoscopy, and I always found an excuse." Right? My mom used to always say, "Tomorrow's just an excuse away. You can find a reason not to do something." Sure. And so, um, and so he did, and then, but then eventually he ended up having metastatic colon cancer. And so, so you know, but I think a lot of times what a lot of people realize is, mm-hmm. you know, what it really. You really shouldn't be putting this stuff off. You know, we recommend it for a reason and that type of thing. And I always joke with patients, you know, well, I'm gonna recommend this and if you don't do it, I'll tell you I told you so if something bad happens. And I'm not really an I told you so guy. But 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 it right. does take it does send home the point. So listen, you know. And I'm also fascinated by patients who 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 will who will, you know, they'll make the effort, they'll come see you, but then when you tell them what's going on and try to explain it, then they then that you make your recommendations, they say, Well, I'm not doing any of that. So, okay, well, I mean, as long as you as long as you understand the you know, potential risk and benefit of, of, of your decision, that's up to you. But um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's it's I'm always fascinated by you know. I think sometimes people just want to be told everything's fine.
0: Okay, what about docs? I mean, my question is, to you? What do you oh. guys work long hours? Yeah. When do you guys get? I say, how do you guys take care of yourselves? Because you never. What, uh, what is it with doctors? Seems like you never get sick. Well, you know what? A lot of us don't. A lot of us don't take care of themselves. I mean, really, really? seriously. This is so, interesting. Why uh, is a, it? A lot of us
1: don't take care of our, don't don't take, don't take care of themselves. I think. Well, I think a lot of it is. You know, there was this old saying, "Physician, heal thyself." Mm-hmm. And we always joke whenever we see a nurse or a doctor coming to see us. We're like, "Well, you know, we're the worst. We're the worst patients." I know. Yeah. And uh, and that type of thing. Well, um, and and there's you know there's this there's this perception that we should never get sick, right? you know right. you're not take- supposed to like your immune
0: system Bob, is I, already because you've been exposed to
1: it i don't have a family history of coronary disease i did a full cardiac workup on myself within the last two months because i didn't want to be the cardiologist that needed bypass surgery right because then patients would be like oh my gosh well if he can't take care of
0: himself how's he going to take care of me i got my meteorologist with lightning i go berserk about lightning if i'm sitting there preaching about it telling you go indoors you hear it you're in striking distance and i, may, I say to my kids don't right. embarrass me gosh darn it <laughs> you better run when there's lightning get in a safe spot and you should know it. and coaches drive me crazy i always have to right. do the little jabs in the coaches they, sure. they want to stay out there and practice with these kids right. i want to strangle them seriously right. it's the most idiotic thing it's stupid you're, you're exposing these kids to right. threat but you as a doc mm-hmm. are you exp- you're, you're people are saying geez i go to him mm-hmm. he shouldn't have cardiac issues right so so but, but it happens
1: but, but everybody does recognize I mean, we're we're human and, and, right, and everything course. like that and, and and you know i think you know at the end of the day um we do get sick i mean and, and that kind of thing it's just uh you know I kind of downplay it probably a lot, you know, in, yeah. in, in that kind of thing. Um, you know, heck, I had a car wreck 15 years ago and almost died. And to this day, whenever I stand up, my blood pressure drops to about 80. So I get – You had a horrible – Yeah, so I get cut my neck severely. So so I get, yeah. you know, I get dizzy all the time. I'm, I'm one of the few golfers whose golf ball moves. And so <laughs> – oh, But but But, you know, I deal with it a lot better. And yeah. I, think, I think, you know, I think that's a little bit of the stoicism of, of being a physician right. is, is kind of like, you know, there's nothing wrong here. But do you, do you
0: diagnose yourself or do you go to another, do you go to a physical? Do oh, okay. you get oh. your physical to somebody who's your, Absolutely. you go well, to a doc, the, you have a primary care I, physician. I've got, a,
1: I've got a great primary care physician, yeah. Dr. Berman, he's outstanding okay. with Horizons Diagnostics yeah. and, and uh, I, go to, I go to Dr. Carmen. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah. And so, although she, you know, she she went from Kettle Hut to Kettle Kettle Carmen. So. Okay. I say like,
0: just two Ks, but it's okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm finally getting used to it. Only, I, know, no, I, still no. call her, I still call her Kettle Hut.
1: And we're very fortunate in this town. We've got some great primary care physicians and and you know some of them are retiring. Right. Thanks, Carol retired. But, but, but we've got great new people mm-hmm. coming into town, um, and, and they're outstanding. And so, so I think you know, finding a good primary care physician or a good cardiologist for that matter is like finding sure. a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yeah, you got to find yeah. what works for you. And you know, I will never read the reviews, you know, because I will. Okay, tell- so
0: that's a great question, and I want to go ahead and finish your thought because that just that's I will, interesting. I will, will never, I will
1: never read the reviews on Google because I will tell you why. <laughs> Yeah, or doximity because I there could be five hundred amazing reviews, five stars. It's the one person that, that said something nasty about me that I would ruminate on for the next month and a half, and I would have it would just it would just tear me up, so tear it's me apart. not fair. So I'm just glad I don't have that with us. Weather, <laughs> hey, his weather
0: wasn't right today. It wasn't. Oh, where's most accurate? Team. Right. Well, well, still, and, and and listen, I, matter.
1: and I fully recognize even you know and, and logically speaking, you know, not everybody's going to like me. Um, you know, I, I I go soak in my office. In I don't know anybody while. who doesn't like you. Well, I oh, mean. Come talk to me. Well, like I said, I mean, you know, it's, 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 Nicest it's guy. well, we, we do our best, but, but, yeah, yeah, but again, right. I mean, you got to, whoever, whoever you choose, it, you know, you want to have someone that is yeah. your same mindset. You know, I'm someone, when I first see somebody, I say, look, I don't want you on any more medicine than you need to be on. And if we can get you off something, I'd love to do that down the road. Um, you know, I'm not someone who just throws a bunch of pills at you. You know, if someone wants a doctor like that, that's not me. And so, um, and the other thing too is, I mean, I think the other part too is, is I think a lot of times people feel like, you know, physicians are Western medicine only and are like, no, you know, we only use pharmaceutical medicines and things like that. I had a patient, husband and wife and the husband said, well, I'm, I have a holistic doctor and I don't think she needs these pharmaceuticals. And I said, well, I said, listen, I think there's probably a place for both in this world. I actually take a number of vitamins and, and, so and supplements yeah, and things right. like that. But but at the same time, you know, we have medications that have been gone through rigorous uh, testing and double-blind placebo-controlled trials and things like that yeah. that we know will work. And so I think there's a happy medium where you can be on pharma, you know, prescription medications and then also supplements.
0: That's good. And we're going to wave. Liz yarborough Guild says, I love you, Dr. Chan. <laughs> She's we love outstanding. We Lisa Amerson's on right now. We still – you, folks, go ahead. I know you. I know some of you have some questions here. We got uh, Ida, uh, who's here too. And I, you know – Folks also are see. Somebody, they were asking us earlier too. How this is? It's it maybe personal a little bit, but if you see something, mm-hmm. and is there ever a, not that you want to be? You're okay if somebody gets a second opinion. That's they're saying. Yes. What do you? Does your feelings get? Hurt? It seems no. like there's a code with doctors. No, no. Is there a code with doctors? Because a lot of people are. Re, they're kind of apprehensive. Oh. And doing that, don't be apprehensive because you've got to make that clear decision. Listen,
1: there are two types of physicians in this world. Okay. There's the type that will get huffy if you want to see another get a second opinion and mm-hmm. say, oh, well, if you don't trust my opinion, then you should just get to stepping. Right. But, then there, but I'm on the other side. I said, listen, I trained half of Emory and Mayo Clinic when I was at Hopkins and, and UAB. I said, You're, well, you sh- if you are at all uncomfortable with this plan, you should go get a second opinion. Okay. And because at the end of the day, you need and I tell people all the time, if you're going to go into a surgical, op- you know, a surgical option, you want to be 100 percent in. Absolutely. And if there's any doubt in your mind, go get another opinion. You know, I tell myself, look, you want to pay twenty five dollars for half a day of parking in Jacksonville. That's fine. Hell, I'll make I'll, I'll even make the referral.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, Good. but but again, I want you to feel comfortable. And I will tell you, there are certain cases where I can't figure out what's going on. And I say, listen, I said, you know, this is this is outside, you know, my realm here. I said, let's get you to a, a you know, kind of a quaternary care center like Mayo or Emory or Piedmont or UAB or Duke um, or, or even Hopkins. And, uh, and and maybe they'll have a better chance of finding what's going on with you.
0: Is is a third too many? If you get two that are diametrically opposed, I want to say diametrically opposed, two that might be. Just a little bit off. Do you get a third, or are you are you, split, are you just getting out of control?
1: No. Well, I mean, you, then you kind of. When do you stop? Then you can't go, Well, I'm gonna take the best two out of three. I'm gonna take yeah. the best three out of five. Yeah, best five out of I mean, seven. Yeah, okay. I I see your kind of point. Then, then it's kind of like the NBA playoffs. And, sure. And at the end of the day, I think you're just trying to. <laughs> I think you're just trying to find how many people. I think you're trying to find somebody that wants to say what you want them to say.
0: Is that what that comes up? I same. think sometimes. So you do. So there is a little um, psychology with being yeah. a doctor too. You got to read people. What is your type of patient that just drives you crazy? Yes. some of you are saying what, what are the ones <laughs> so, yes And I, I don't even know what I want to say to today maybe you, maybe this person drove you crazy, but no, no. What, what was the one that what, your type of person that you would think well, here's what I'll tell
1: you. I okay. mean, 95 percent of my patients I, I mean really really almost all my patients yeah. have my cell phone number. Mm-hmm. So I' am the mm-hmm. easiest, I'm the easiest physician to get a hold of in this world. All you have to do is text me. Okay, I don't answer my phone.
0: I'll test it. I don't check my voicemail. Yeah, right,
1: but if you text me, I'm very, I answered four texts when I was in the parking lot. waiting, waiting, wait I had to come out.
0: Listen, folks, I got to be honest with you. I had to go outside. Axel knows this. I go. I got to go get Doctor Champion. He's not coming in. So no, but but I but it's good. It shows you 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 You're Well, passionate. And, that, you're well go and,
1: nine, on and nine times out of ten, it's an easy answer, right? I don't yeah. like the idea of someone having to go through the phone tree line and 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 you know leave a message that may not get answered for twenty four hours and that kind of thing. So so what bothers me is when patients will kind of go on their own and say, I don't want, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to stop all this and then, and, and not let me know. Yeah. Or I have patients that I have a lot of patients that have heart failure. So, you know, I have patients, I'll kind of, now I always tell patients, I'm going to treat you like family. Now, sometimes family needs a cussing out. And if you yeah. need a little cussing out, I'll give it to you. Okay. But it's always done out of love. I say, if I didn't care about you, I'd, I wouldn't even talk to you.
0: How often do you fire patients?
1: Um, really, oftentimes for me, firing, yeah. a, firing a patient is, 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 is almost never an interpersonal issue. It's almost always not showing up. Okay so and, and and what I tell people is listen I said it's one thing if you don't show up but but and it, so you didn't get, you you didn't show up for your stress test so you didn't get your stress test well for me what I'm most upset about is you met, we held a spot for you I, I'm totally that, there with you that, yeah. that, that yeah. someone else who really needed it so they could get their neck surgery could go in there and you didn't you deprive them from getting that. That could be me, by the yeah. way. Well,
0: right. so, <laughs> Did you use it as an example? Were you this, thinking of yeah, me when bit, you said it? Were was, you thinking of me? Wait, I was, okay. Absolutely.
1: So but 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 like I said, I mean for me, really dismissing a patient is almost always a business decision from the from the bil- from the billing office and the business office. Um, just because I mean and, and and you know, it's a partnership. So, you know, if uh, and, and things come up. So it's not like you know, it's not like, oh my gosh. My car broke down. Um, I'm scared. Doctor Champ is going to fire me. No, things okay. happen. So okay. you know, one no show is not a big deal. But if it's perpetual and habitual, then then we, then we have a problem. And and at the end of the day, you know, it, it's just it, it. If you don't respect your enough, to us, if you don't respect us enough to let us know that you can't come in or you want to reschedule, that's one thing. I mean, but but at the same time, you know, it, there has to be that there has to be that give and take. Fair and and especially too, what I don't have happen is someone ends up going off and having a heart attack and and dying when you know when they when and somebody comes back and says well why didn't you call them 20 more times to have them come in you know they shouldn't they should have known they should have be coming in they've got something concerning yeah. so yeah like i said i mean it's just it's just one of those things that, I mean, I hate I hate losing a patient, but but kind of what yeah. I, and sometimes I'll talk to them and I'll say, hey, listen, you know, hopefully you'll get a better relationship with someone else. And, and you know, heck, we got other great cardiologists in town. It's, yeah, I'm, right. not the, I'm not the only one in town. So it's not like, you know, it's not like I've got a monopoly on the whole thing. Yeah. And there are other great cardiologists in town and, and, uh, and that type of thing. And so maybe you mesh better with them. And so a lot of times it's personality driven. It is almost always personality driven. And also to remember, yeah. When there is conflict, it's usually an expectation that was not verbalized that was then, as a consequence, not met. Uh, so I like that. See, so this is
0: a psychology that yeah. the, the docs, that, which is good at, you need to understand that. Right. Some could be ego. Some may not be, mm-hmm. but somebody just needs to listen, and I totally agree. And and you know, also agrees is Ralph. Uh, to, uh, Ralph uh, Tolan said he's so glad that his primary care physician sent him. To oh, me. I appreciate so that. a lot of comments. There, a lot of these dollars. are just a lot of positive comments and stuff, yeah. folks. I, and answering a lot of them and are, are thanking you for that. An- another one came in on my personal. Um, I'm trying to see if I can read that one too. It's it's hard to read because I'm in a stream here too. Um, yeah, I think I got the gist. Of just of that. okay. Uh, not not a cardi not a cardiologist question. Um, okay, there. Okay, arthritis and heart. Could that is that a sign? That's a good question. That's I, I know what they're saying. Is arthritis. Somebody who has chronic rheumatoid arthritis, does that mean they got, they're running the risk of having something wrong with their so heart?
1: It's a great question. So there's yeah. a couple of reasons. So any type of inflammatory condition, any type of rheumatologic condition.
0: Ooh, fancy. Those, yeah. So yeah. Rheumatologic, rheumatologic
1: conditions, yeah. whether it's rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. lupus, scleroderma, mixed connective tissue disease, sicker syndrome, Sjogren's, any of those types of conditions. In fact, kind of really what I say is if someone has a reason to walk into a rheumatologist and keep a rheumatology appointment – they really should be screened on an annual basis for something called pulmonary hypertension.
0: So that can be hypertension from... That's Absolutely. That's
1: 11% of people with rheumatoid arthritis will end up with, with uh, pulmonary hypertension or high blood pressure in the lungs, and it causes wow. shortness of breath, fatigue, wow. and that type of thing. Up to 40% of people with scleroderma will have pulmonary hypertension. So there's this huge initiative that we've been doing with the rheumatology um, groups to actually look for and screen for pulmonary hypertension. That's no.
0: scary. That's I mean but but so would it be prudent I, you would if anyone who has it mm-hmm. Maybe just let's, let's jump on board and see a cardiologist like today. Absolutely. You know, but, like...
1: I, but, but really what you want to do is you want to see someone that really has an interest in pulmonary vascular disease gotcha. like, like us. So so we actually do two tests to screen. We do an echocardiogram and we do a cardiopulmonary test. And we generally will do that on an annual basis. Um, oftentimes they would also need some lung function tests. but um, But that's something that we do on a regular basis because pulmonary hypertension, just like anything, mm-hmm. if we catch it early, we've got a much better chance of treating it. Because with pulmonary arterial hypertension, which is what a lot of these are, your risk of dying, your five-year mortality is actually on par with most cancers. Wow. So, so that is wow. what, um, and Because it, in,
0: in anything with inflammation, mm-hmm. it, it just attacks those areas of your body that mm-hmm. might be weaker than the other. Right. I mean, you might be more susceptible in the lung area, mm-hmm. more susceptible somewhere else. Well, we know
1: that you know the, these, these markers that you measure like uh, CRP, C-reactive okay. protein, yeah. if that is elevated, you've got a higher risk of having coronary disease. But it can also be elevated for other inflammatory reasons. So what, what I get a lot, I get some consults. People yeah. who go in with a pneumonia, they get a CRP measure that's like twenty times normal, right. and they're like, "Oh my
0: god, it says I'm I can." Die. Die. Exactly. Yes. So then I yep. make an appointment. Um, White blood cells, mm-hmm. your monocytes, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. When you get a blood panel work, mm-hmm. so you go see your PCP mm-hmm. and make sure you get that um, you're sick, and that comes up high. Mm-hmm. Usually, that's not nothing to be worried about. Mm-hmm. Then. Sometimes those things that'll show it's high, it's a little bit off the chart, may just be, there's a reason behind
1: it. Right. So, so generally, you kind of already know that. You know, yeah. there's something so going, sinus infection, right. that kind of thing. That but that it. is something that you also track with. But sometimes, you know, we can have th- some leukemias show up as a
0: very high white count. Oh, wow. So, so those are your white some, blood cells. Correct. They kind of eat up all the... They're so exactly. supposed to eat a lot, but if there's too many of them... Correct. ...then there's your body saying, well, your bone marrow producing too much because it correct. doesn't like what's going on in correct. your
1: body. Well, that okay. and then also, too, well the, on the blood panel, the other things that I really look for more, uh, as well as the hemoglobin and hematocrit, so that's your blood count. Okay. So so it
0: goes on one. You don't look at just one portion. Correct. You, okay.
1: Correct. Um, now everybody looks at their own lab work, and they they want to make sure there's no H's or L's right yeah, on right. the side. No one wants to see that. So, but but there's a lot of things too that are on those red bloods so on those those blood panels that that, that really don't matter much. So All that's right. where you talk with your primary care doctor. You know, and or like I said, if you have a question about your blood work. Just text me. And, just text How easy it is. Yeah, say, say, it's Dr. Easy Cha- button. Doctor Champion. My red cell distribution width is off. Should I be concerned? I said, Hell no. You know that, that's not something I worry about.
0: Yeah. Debbie Sheffield says the same thing. <laughs> I love you. She says, <laughs> um it, Debbie, along with everybody else that's on here um and our other locations too. Here's one. Ed. It's it's tough one to talk about. No. But uh, guys, asking again. Does Ed mean? And we've talked about this before. I know what the answer is going to be. But for our our, our listeners and viewers. Does that mean you have a heart issue so, pending? So
1: this is something that I actually know something about. Okay. So when I was in New Orleans, we had the only in vivo model of erectile function. Okay. And we did all the preclinical work for Viagra and Cialis. And my research was part of the reason why Viagra and Cialis are now approved for lung conditions like pulmonary hypertension because we, that was my thesis. Okay. It's wow. actually that wow. same enzyme actually was in the lung. and We didn't think it was in the lung at the time. So then when I got to Hopkins, we started treating all these people with Viagra, high dose Viagra, high dose Cialis, and we were seeing great effects. One of the things I also did when I was wow. when I was up in, in Baltimore was it was right around that time where and actually I helped helped invent something called Muse therapy, which is an intraurethral alprostadil you know, treatment. It just so happened that it got re- it got released the same it got approved the same year as Viagra. So everybody started taking Viagra. Nobody worried about Muse. But Gosh. but 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 with but with E D, so part of what we what we found was everybody tried viagra great but then they realized hey wait a second it's just not working for me so i had a full clinic in um in 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 baltimore and kind of like if you remember shawshank redemption when Andy dufresne would do people's taxes when they would come through the softball circuit awesome we had kind of the same thing whenever a lot of people would come in to play the orioles a lot of the coaches and some players would come see me and we would look over their look over everything and so so really yes Erectile dysfunction is kind of like the bald eagle, if you will, yeah. of the body and erectile function is. And so if you yeah. think about it, if the, if the environment is, is, is the, if the landscape is not healthy, then the bald eagle will not survive. Interesting. Right. Makes sense. Same thing here. Yeah. If, you're, if you start having erectile dysfunction and nothing else is going on, that means something is off. And so, so, you know, things that we recommend, if you have erectile dysfunction, let's look for an organic cause. Now, there can be psychosocial causes. You okay. know, a lot yeah, of studying
0: so even thinking of psychology. No, See, yeah, a lot never of, even of what that.
1: we've been finding a lot of, and, and what we've been seeing a lot of, has been things like pornography addiction. Mm-hmm. So people have such access to pornography that they essentially just use up all the dopamine in so their now body. Now, not,
0: now they don't want to come to bed with their partner or spouse. Correct. be Like I'm not interested. Correct. So that's so that's part, but it, but
1: it's also it's not necessarily an, an, an I'm not interested thing. It's more of an actual
0: physiology. So you you burned up all your. T- testosterone, well, exactly. The dopamine, right? Would, the, would
1: the, do- the dopamine is kind of that 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 uh, neurohormone that that really kind of you know uh, uh, is is kind of the, the pleasure center, if you will, or yes. a reward. Okay, but um, but no, but things like cholesterol is important. Things like blood pressure is important. Things like your testosterone level. So one of the things I recommend for a lot of men get your testosterone level checked. Sleep apnea is a big one. If you have sleep apnea, there's a central effect to reduce your testosterone levels. So people say, well, gosh, I'm just getting fat. I'm losing my muscle. I'm gaining fat. I'm snoring louder, all these kind of things. Well, if you get started on sleep apnea treatment, Testosterone level will come back up. You start gaining muscle, and then it kind of is a is a positive uh, positive you know uh, 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 association in the you know in, the, in a good direction, and so and then in some cases people still need some some help like Viagra Cialis that kind of thing, um, but but you know like I said you know, get your cardiovascular system in order get your house in order exercise improves exercise erectile and function pro- I've heard that exercise yeah, and improves and it's supposed to be as well good too you're
0: mm-hmm. getting your blood circulating mm-hmm. for women too women yeah. want oh. to know so this isn't just about males so absolutely what about ladies absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So women, the same, so, same principle, different kind correct. of levels get a correct. check. With women, it tends to be more of a sensation effect. It tends to be more yeah. anorgasmia um, okay. or, or, or taking an incredibly long time. And, and every woman is obviously different, in, right. as, as are men. Um, but certainly that certain medications can have an effect on your sexual function. So certain um, certain antidepressants. Um, can certainly decrease your libido and that kind of thing. You know, certainly think about this. I mean, we talked about Susie Westerland not too long ago yeah, as well. Yeah, right, right. H- hormones, when, when women are going through perimenopausal times, you know, a lot of times they lose their testosterone is zero. And women are supposed to have some testosterone. Right. And so so Susie does a great job, as do other GYNs in town, of, of being able to manage hormonal levels and things like some estrogen, some progesterone, so we, and a, you know, getting yeah. out of my wheelhouse. A no, bit. But, it's a, but but yeah. But but then we have women that come back and say, "Oh my gosh, this has changed my life." In terms of you know, I was just thinking like, Jesus, is this what the next 30, next thirty
0: years is going to yeah. be like? So age shouldn't matter. So where are you getting at? yes yeah. Again, when we said this yeah. before, that um, age is going to happen, mm-hmm. but why not? Get it checked out. And you can get it checked out. Right. We said Dr. Susie's one of them. Right. Um, and we we've, we talked about that in some of our previous episodes as well Absolutely. as you want to dive into and, and find out. There was one with you and, and, and Sue. So they, if anybody wants to see that one, we get really Absolutely. deep dive into that. So, right. But that was good. I think the ladies just felt a little lift out there. But, no, you're, you're just as important <laughs> on that one too. But it, as far as, um, you know, we talk about that, kids, it, you hear about all the vaccines. Somebody's asking, but what about vaccines, you know, the mm. – uh, the, the latest with teenagers, you're mm-hmm. hearing some of the side effects of vaccines. Mm-hmm. Are, are you worried about vaccinating a kid against any kind of sexual transmitted disease beforehand? Is p the, um, the, what do you call it? the, the HPV, HPV mm-hmm. virus? Mm-hmm. We're giving it to 14 year olds. I mean, some, you know, people may be looking at it as, as a preventative. Look, my kid, their kids, their teenagers are going to mm-hmm. sneak around. They're going to they're get into a sexual relationship or whatever, or we can't police them all the time. Those that won't, is it more for that? Or is this something that, we have to be so careful about.
1: Well, I will tell you. So, I think there's a couple things there. One to yeah. unpack. I think one is just the, the the condition with HPV. I mean, HPV is now one of the highest, one of the most, one of the, one of the biggest causes of throat cancer in middle aged men. You think of Michael Douglas. Absolutely, I think actor, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. And so he, in fact, he brought a huge amount of awareness to that. Yeah. So if we can prevent throat cancer in people down the road, and also too, I think. Part of the concern is is that people say, Oh, well if you give them this vaccine for HPV, you're essentially saying, Well, go out and have all the sex you want. Right. And and I and I think that's different. I think, you know, again, I'm not gonna be someone that's gonna preach how people should parent because every kid is different. I mean all sure. three of my kids are completely different in terms of re- reward and punishment and, and all of that. They're right. great kids and they've turned out great. But But at the same time, I think you do have to think because you really also don't want to start vaccinating people after they've been infected with HPV. So that's why they picked 14 as kind of the as kind of that initial. That that answers that question. I hope
0: they answered that person's question. I'm sure that I didn't see any other response after that. But that that makes that makes sense. But but as
1: with anything, though, I mean, this all requires a great conversation with the kids. And I think and I and I I, and, 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 and you always come back to that and you always come back to saying, hey, you know, you want to have a good relationship with your kids, and you want to have an open relationship. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who who, who are like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't talk to my kids about that at all. Right. But you should. I mean, you know, that's, that's and, and some of us are a little more timid than others. Are, and, and what I would tell you, though, is if, if it's something where you where you don't want to have that conversation, a lot of pediatricians are very skilled at answering that question and having that discussion in a in a, in a, in a clinic setting.
0: And you go to med school for this. I mean, right. this is part of your, your mm-hmm. curriculum. That's why you do some of your fellowships, you do some of your, your right. training, and uh, these are things through your internships or whatever it mm-hmm. may be. Uh, to 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 get that you got to mm-hmm. know the got to know how to talk to people, right. Listen, and and you guys do that so well. I mean, that's that's you know we have to listen to know how to diagnose. Exactly, I guess that's how it would be. We're already on our hour. I can't believe it already. That's did hard you get to Did you get anybody who just looks like an inbox or say you're gonna answer your text right now? No, you, no, he no, just no. got a text right now. No, that's okay. Okay, that's a good text. <laughs> Could it be good. the wife? <laughs> so you know, Doctor Champion, I really appreciate. it. Does anybody have any last ones here? It looks like everybody really enjoyed this. And, uh, again, this will be replaying and, and all the podcast play zones mm-hmm. and, and everywhere else you get your podcast, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, of course, you have WRBL.com, Dr. Champion. Uh, this, this will be, of uh, course, living on Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's a separate, uh, you know, line. But this actual physical one, we also have the full Full, uh, if you
1: want to go another couple hours, I'm good. I've got my Brazilian bold coffee. Do you, oh, wow. Oh, man. So that's is the, that what you got? That's the stuff
0: ISIS drinks. Wow. I believe it. Jeez, that's how they, that's how they attack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you kidding, that Brazilian it, it bold? Is. Oh, my, my. And in fact, <laughs> it, it has more, you should call it, you know, you should go, go up to some of them and say, you know what, you think you got to beat? We got Americano here. There you uh, go. Triple Americano exactly. in one of these drinks. It, it'll get you a lot of espresso. So I, I uh, you know. I appreciate everything you do. Of course, you're going to be back again because you always do pay a visit. We'll we'll have another topic. Today was kind of all about you folks that are out there. We appreciate you guys checking in uh, with Dr. Champion. Great questions. Uh, If we missed any... Put them up here, and we'll see if we can get them for you. Spotify, iHeart, of course, anywhere else you get your podcasts, and a Play Zone. And there you have it: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're going to be saying, uh, showing you some of these uh, moments that we had with Hunter and uh, the rest of his questions, and some of yours too that were answered. And I'll tell you what: if you visit any of Hunter's stuff, if you just search on any of these, I'll bet you dollars to donuts some of those questions you're looking for we probably answered on those. But but he's your plethora of information. And it always, always educates me. I just love it. Very good. Thank you. Always love being here. Thank you so much. And and, on the 100th episode. That's right. And the 100th episode. You believe that? Axel, what do you think of that? You'll be back. I know you will.